KOW. Okay, hey Simon. Hi Alex. <laughs> I have this painting in front of me, but actually I don't even know if it's a painting. What I know is that the title is NYT. It's from 2022 and the size is two meters by one meter 70. And there, there are a lot of people in this image. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, I don't, I don't even know if there are many people or the same people all over again. <laughs> what, Simon, what, what am I actually looking at? And maybe you can talk about the faces that we see first, because I have the feeling they're the first to jump into my eyes because there's this this grinning. Mm -hmm. What I hint or what I reference here are these um, like image facades, these facades of images we are constantly uh, surrounded by, be it via media or our, our own memories that try to influence and trick us. So. These faces and characters in there are self-portraits. Um, these are my faces, mm -hmm. um, which have like this sort of horrorish grin and smile. Mm -hmm. And these are many versions of myself. And they all assemble to a family portrait. Again, references like um, control of images and how we are influenced by images from illustrations of the, that the ghosts go back to the Nixon era like these typical family archetype. But this time it's me, myself and I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then it looks like something was sprayed over in red paint, but it has a kind of digital appearance rather as if you're drawing with a mouse. So it's not really spray painted. And there's silhouettes of people. Mm -hmm. What are those? Yeah, the, the, the outlines, uh, they are uh, painted in red and they are painted with the help or generally that the whole painting or image, uh, the work is painted with the help by, from a robot. And he defers or alternates like the input image he gets into another iteration of memory because my work deals a lot about trauma and traumatic structures and also memory. And the software of the uh, robot gives me that next level of iteration. And with the outlines, they are sprayed. They are um, drawn at first in the, in the physical space by myself, like outlines from iconographically like embedded in, in art history. Uh, with the Elvis, you can see a double, double Elvis, the Elvis screen print from Andy Warhol. Ah, with a revolver, with a gun in the hand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like appearing two times. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, like I told you before, the epidome of these facades. Um, because I'm hinting at this, uh, in, in that movie, which Elvis uh, starred back then, it was Flaming Star. He's like also going into the role of, of an, a typical Western image, a produced image, the, the mystique of the Western again. And you have also that, that layer of the, the celebrity and how we like imagine a person is through images because we can't really attach to the person in real life. So ah, and, and since you say that, there are only men actually yeah. in this image. 
So a male stereotype like Elvis Presley with a gun, like a typical dominant male figure, no? Exactly. And then there's a male person, which supposedly is you, but stands in the middle like a father. Mm-hmm. And then all, all, all these other figures that you mentioned. So is it about male identity? Can we say that? Or projections of stereotypes of of male identity, but a maleness that looks like going crazy in this case. Yeah, I mean, my, my work generally has um, this focus on the development of identity and especially male identity and also toxic masculinity and its implications on society. So there is this, this notion in there, but what I focus more in this work especially is like the control of images on our um, collective behavior. So be it internal images like memories, traumatic memories, maybe flashbacks, like reappearing, or be it external. Um, And there's like from media, from social media, we get all these overflow of signals and images. And it's interesting because there is this strong similarity between our traumatic mental patterns and, but we build those patterns artificially now with, with the resharing of images and the constant flow and, and overloading. Um, so we built it artificially. It's like a complete similarity to our uh, cognitive system. So, Which I think brings us to the architecture in the piece. I mean, the, the Twin Towers in New York are, I think, the ever coming back traumatic experience of 9-11, yeah. right? I mean, two very phallic forms, by the way, very male. Mm-hmm. There are other kind of New Yorkish towers. Uh, and two times there's a kind of house or, or cabin. And they're funnily shaped. And you told me this is because they're from Google Earth, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. This is how the f- physical world is being represented in the digital world today. It's yeah, not yeah. yet perfect. <laughs> it looks a bit <laughs> funny. But can you say what this little house is that we see on the bottom and on the top? Yeah, yeah. The, the, they are also appearing two times, these fragments. Uh, they are taken by Google Maps or Google Earth. And it references like this, also this technological beginning of mass spreading imagery and where it started. And that was with especially that fragment, that little house is the garage, the founder's garage of Microsoft, of Bill Gates. So where- That's the legendary space that everybody talks about. Exactly, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So, and this is the starting point of like a completely new era of, and start of collective data trauma almost. So like the ability to share and, and constantly recontextualize images and really started with that uh, system and and the the, the the idea of that even yeah and maybe we should go back to the robot that painted this image so if i understand correctly you're starting with archive material with the existing photos etc mm-hmm. and then there's a there's a digital process where algorithms come in no and yeah, and yeah. Alter, alter the visual information very much like our memory actually alters things that happened in the past and, and project them on our inner screen in, in manipulated or, or, or in, in, in various ways that are not exactly the original one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But then it's something very specific, I think, about the way how these images are made. Can you explain that was what this robot actually is and what it does? Mm -hmm. So first of all, um, I would like to go back to the archive to the process because my work stems from like I investigate these psychological cores of emotion and, and through photographic observation. So my starting material or my building block is always photography, but this can range from normal photographs, like lens-based, I call them lens-based photographs, to like lens-based 3D, maybe sculptural works and these hybrid painting-ish things, <laughs> works, and also 3D animation videos. But what all combines them is this set, this big pool of archive photographs, which everyone has probably a photo album, a family archive photo album. And from these photographs, I can extract every object, every figure, every environment that I want. And this forms a sort of like a painterly process, but in only in the digital space. And this was, I think, one and a half years ago where it just clicked for me like okay I want to transfer photography because photography is going to be dead and I want to transfer you know this 2D image into the physical into the three-dimensional space. That actually means if if I give you my iPhone and you take my image archive I may come out and look like these people on your paintings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you might. <laughs> okay and and uh Okay, then you, you have the digital file and, and then there's this robot who does the, the painting work. Can you explain this to us? Because I think it's a big beast. It's not a small robot. It's quite yeah, yeah. something. It's um, seven by four meters high. It's seven meters long, four meters high. And it's basically a big CNC um, machine, which is typically used for um, in the automobile industry for like cutting something but there's a head attached that is capable of doing with, he has a three-dimensional arm, robot arm, who, and he can like paint with a brush, but also with like airbrush colors, for example, oil painting, uh, oil colors. Yeah, and I can transfer the digital file then to the, to the robot. And he, because every software has like its own memory again, he transfers it again into its own or alters it a bit, the, the input data, which gives me the next cycle of iteration, which perfectly mm. works with my concept and process. So during the process, you lose control more and more several times. Yeah, then I gain it back again, and then I lose it again. So it's like a back and forth mm. between me and the machine and the algorithms. So it actually is a painting. It, yeah, it, it is a painting. Yeah. Is it acrylic or what paint is it? Yeah, acrylic. And um, with the newer ones, I also try to implement um, oil. Wow. Okay. Amazing. And this one also has a three-dimensional surface, doesn't it? Yes. And, and those three-dimensional shapes, they're kind of strange, irrational. I don't know. Sometimes they just stick out at the corner of a painting mm -hmm. and you don't really understand why, but it looks like as if some piece of information from the painting conquers the physical space and almost endangers your body when you stand in front of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
uh, right? How, how did you come to do that? Because it's a really strange idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, you already told it. I, I wanted to be a physical experience. From these parts that come out of the painting or of the, the form, every pixel of image data is calculated. And every spike or every elevation you see is one pixel. Mm -hmm. So I stretch and extra, uh, extract every pixel. And that gives the, the, yeah, the, the plate, the canvas, the form. Maybe to conclude, Simon, when I first saw this painting, I had a feeling that it's, it's like a portrait of our epoch, of our era, mm -hmm. like a humanity and a world that's going crazy and you're not even able to understand why exactly and what has happened. And you, you mentioned trauma. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I find it extremely disturbing. <laughs> is, is that how you feel the current moment? I mean, you just produced it. You just finished it a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that the feeling when you look at the world and on others and yourself? Things are going crazy. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's complete chaos, not not only in, in our contemporary world, but also in, in like this niche. If you only look at this niche of, of images and how we are, like I told before, like how we are influenced by that, it's total mayhem <laughs> what images can do. And that was the, the main frame or the main focus of that piece, which are iconographically um pieces or, or um, uh, images that influenced us so much like the Twin Towers 9-11 mm. um, which concluded also to the Patriots Act there's so much more in and layers in that in that work this piece is like really I wanted to inhabit or that the, the work has a sort of nostalgia in it but through media and through iconographically um, embedded and, and really engraved pieces and images in our collective conscience as you say that it's you're right it's there's there's melancholy in it huh? I you mean, feel that yeah yeah i feel that i mean there's okay. a strange kind of empathy that i feel with these poor people mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and these artificially distorted faces you know if you try to put your mouth into that position it's even hurtful for your muscles in the face you know and i, I think like you can feel that it's it's like a collective torture going on mm -hmm. yeah on in the minds and the peoples of the belly that's yeah. true yeah, yeah that was the not the only point, but <laughs> I'm glad you, you feel like uh, uh, that emotion that I wanted to also provoke uh, in, with the work. 